Welcome into our Monday, May 23rd edition of the Sports Flash on the Sports Flash Media Network. My name is Joe Will. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Shibish and Josh Clackler. Tyler, how are you doing? Good. It always throws me off that there's an L in Clack's last name. I mean, I guess it makes sense with all the L's he takes, but I always thought oh, it was Clacker for the longest time. Coming out Every time I hear Clackler, it kind of throws me <laughs> off a little bit. But that being said, Clack, how are you? I'm great. Um, I didn't know what show we're doing because I thought this was no off season and Joe played the intro, so I don't know what we're doing. What else is new? Well, Clack, a lot has have... changed. Get with the times, old man. A lot of changed since the last time you were here. Let me explain this to Clack, but also those whoever's watching that doesn't know. Um, aside from today's show, which there's a lot of Bama news for, um, lately there hasn't been too much Alabama related news and NFL wise it's I know the show is called no off season but there's really not much to talk about so clack we're doing these little shows that kind of encompass all current sporting things going on so there you go um but we're we're glad to have you well, on you just here. played uh, the Bama Brigade intro so yeah I know we're talking and, about Bama stuff too we're talking about Bama stuff. So what I do at the beginnings, I play the Bambi Brigade intro, and the end Brigade. You big <laughs> Disney guy. Oh yeah, for sure. That's that's on the dock. No, I play the Bama Brigade intro, and then at the end, I play the no off season. I'm putting your your hard work that you d- for your videos. I'm putting it to use, Clack. So you should yeah. be grateful. Um. Well, I was like, I just I haven't been here in a while, and I had I was at the beach, and then I was here, and I was there, so I'm not even paying much attention. Anyway, what else is new? I never pay attention. Anyway. Oh, you haven't been watching our show, Clack? Yeah, show? wait. I watched, Clack. I literally commented. I literally commented and texted y'all so doing the show. And it took y'all like 10 minutes to read it. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get our site up off the ground, this network off the ground, and Clack just doesn't care. He's too busy at the He's beach. He's on the beach. At the Florida beach. Senoritas. Okay, Drinking White Claws. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we we're, Clark, we're gonna, nobody we're gonna turn, nobody no one turned tunes into the show to listen to us talk about sports. They want to hear about you and your your senoritas. Um. So the Washington Commanders they spent a hundred million dollars on land in Virginia for a possible new stadium. I think I saw a, a tweet that you liked, Joe, that I really thought was funny. It was like Dan Snyder is the king of misdirection. Yeah. Anytime deflection. he gets heat deflection that's what it was anytime he gets any sort of heat he manages to pull something out of thin air like oh you know it's starting to pick up again he's starting to get in a little bit of hot water oh here's a new stadium love me yeah it's not even really a coincidence it always happens like this time a report came out i think it was yesterday about it and then today they say that you know they're buying the stadium grounds and then last time something came out about dan snyder and then it was like oh we've promoted Katie Feeney to head of our social media. She's yep. done a, a great job with TikTok. And it's not like it every time this is how they do it. And um I I'm I've been all for a new stadium for a while now. Um mm-hmm. it's been something I was 
all for like the name change. I just think they needed a complete rebrand. Now the problem with the team still obviously remains Dan Snyder. Um, but I like Ron Rivera as a head coach. I like the uniforms, the name change. I like that. The last piece of the puzzle is just getting a stadium because I mean, you guys have never been to FedEx stadium. At least God, I hope not, but it's a horrible, horrible stadium. First of all, the team's called the Washington commanders and they don't play in dc like they're the only the nationals the wizards the capitals the mystics every dc team plays their games in dc like if you're gonna have dc in your name like that's something cool you should use so um personally i would love if they were able to get the old rfk stadium and make that their stadium but that's not gonna happen they play in land over maryland um, but I'm kind of going on a rant here about my frustration. So, with... like, that's but, kind of what, I mean, you look at the, uh, the uh, there, there are Giants. Teams, they... There are teams that, that, that do it, but I, I think, like, you should, if you're able to, like, you're not going to be able to put a stadium, a football stadium in the middle of New York. There's just too much going on. It's definitely doable in D.C., Um so, I mean, I would prefer that. Now, the rumor is that they're building one in, like, the Woodbridge, Dumfries area of Virginia, which is not a great place uh, to build a stadium because it kind of alienates a lot of the fans. Uh, I saw immediately that there were fans saying, like, screenshotting the tweet and being like, this is how long my drive would be in multiple hours down I-95, which is... That's just going to happen, though. Anytime you open up a new stadium, there's going to be some fans that live closer, some fans No, but they they were putting it in, like, the worst location. It it Mm. would basically just be giving the middle finger to all, like, Virginia and Maryland. Like, if you live in Maryland or the D.C. area, which is probably where a good chunk of the fans are, you know, reside in, you're basically driving, like, two hours, probably more, just due to traffic just to get to a stadium um and so i don't know how they're gonna do it i'd, I'd like to think that they're smart enough to, to figure out a reasonable way to do it but then again this is a dan snyder led organization so i wouldn't be surprised if snyder takes some shortcuts on the stadium and it's all crappy but that's my rant about this yeah uh, some other football news. Nick Foles, former Super Bowl champion, signed with the MVP. Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, Super Bowl MVP even. Signed with the Indianapolis Colts after being a free agent. His time in Chicago was, I think, less than great, right? He was riding the hype of winning, like, Super Bowl MVP, and then they Chicago picked him up. He was kind of struggled. But... You know, I think he's a solid backup still. I think you can do a lot worse, and I think the Colts are a good team for him to be a backup on because he has a de- like decently similar play style to newly acquired Colts quarterback Matt Ryan. And so I think that's a often underlooked thing when it comes to backup quarterbacks is how similar are they to your starter, right? You look at um, like the Baltimore Ravens and what's his name out of Maryland? Um, Tyler Huntley. Oh, he's from. Or, sorry, Utah. Utah. Utah is what I meant to say. I was no, you're on the mind. Yeah, Tyler Huntley. And I don't think he'd be a successful backup or starter on a lot of other teams, but I think that the Ravens run a system similar. Like he has a play style similar to Lamar. So the Ravens can run the system in the same way versus like 
you look at Lamar Jackson's first year, I was going to say freshman year, his first year with the Ravens, he wasn't as successful when he came in because they had the offense built around Joe Flacco, and he's not a Joe Flacco type player. And so I think having a guy that that fits the system pretty well like that is going to be good for the Colts if Matt Ryan gets hurt. But I honestly, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't remember Matt Ryan getting hurt like ever. So Matt Ryan is very, very underrated, and I feel like he gets a lot of unfair criticism. I mean, he's not amazing. Um, you know, his best years are are behind him, much like Nick Foles, who uh, Eagles fans love, will go down in history for what he did for them when uh, Carson Wentz went down, just went on an absolute tear. Um, but Matt Ryan, I think, is a very underrated quarterback and still, um, you know, has potential to be just exactly what the Colts need. And then, like, we're talking about Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles is, is kind of the same, falls in the same boat. But if, if Matt Ryan does get injured, uh, you have a very capable backup, uh, well, which I'm sure the Colts are hoping they don't have to do the whole quarterback carousel thing because they ever since Andrew Luck retired, uh, they have not been able to really find anyone. I mean, Philip Rivers was there for like a season. He kind of sucked. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, like just it's a it's a quarterback carousel. And so they're probably hoping that they can have Ryan give them, you know, at least a couple years of of decent, solid play. Well, according to DraftSharks.com, right? I don't know how reputable it is. Sounds made up. Matt Ryan has had exactly three injuries in his 14-year career and has missed a total of three games. So he got hurt in 2019. He missed one game with an ankle sprain. Got hurt in 2013. Sprained his left shoulder and sat out the Pro Bowl, and then got hurt in 2009 and missed two games after suffering turf toe. So the man is as close to an Iron Man as you'll find. And uh, side note, I do have to shout out my boy Kirk Cousins as well. He's an absolute <laughs> tank that just never seems to get hurt for some reason. So, um, also very very um, underrated, but at the same time slightly jazz. overrated. Yes. Yes, Clark. What do you want, Clark? <laughs> um, I'm glad that Joe is not the uh, in front office for any of my favorite, many of my, I mean, any of my many of favorite teams because Joe's quarterback takes are so bad. Um, oh, you're glad I'm not the 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 front office for the Yankees and the Duke Blue Devils and the L.A. Lakers and and uh, okay, the Dallas no, Cowboys no, and all your no, favorite no, teams. No, 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 no. Your quarterback taste might be like, like if you were my, like if I was a fan of a team and you were my team's GM, we would wind up with the 30th best quarterback in the league because you see guys like Drew Locke make one good throw and you're like, oh, they're so great. Like, like I mean, like the fact that you're higher on Drew Locke and why do you um, you always insist on bringing Drew Locke into this conversation? We don't need to bring Drew Locke into this conversation. It is known You're how I feel about Drew Locke. Locke and Nick Foles than you are any like like I mean. I think saying someone's upset? a good backup is not being too. Yeah, high on them. I think Taylor Heineke, horrible starting quarterback, not a bad backup. Like yeah, Drew Locke. Are, I'm not Matt, like, Matt starting quarterback. Anyway, anyway, what? Anyway, I'm not saying I'm not saying Nick Foles should start. I'm saying 
he's a solid backup. I mean, I'd rather have him than like Blaine Gabbert or God knows Jacoby, even Jacoby Brissett. I'd probably rather have Nick Foles than Jacoby Brissett. I'm not sitting here saying Nick Foles is a starting quarterback or he's a top whatever. I mean, you can't rope my Drew Locke comments into this because you know how I have a soft spot for Drew Locke and how he's going to lead Seattle to, to the yeah. playoffs this year. Well, look, only two quarterbacks that I can think of in the league right now led their teams to Super Bowls as backups, right? One of them's Tom Brady. So, and then the other one is Nick Foles. And yeah, it was just a crazy run. And yeah, he's not actually that good. Or is, I'm sorry, I mean to say he's not like Super Bowl MVP level consistently. But I mean, you can do a whole heck of a lot worse, I think, than a guy that has won, you know, the Super Bowl for his team, putting up like 30 plus points a game in route. So I, I agree. I think Nick Foles is a pretty solid backup for as much crap as he gets as a starter but he's a respectable backup yeah i agree just like Um, clack is a respectable backup when we need him for this show (laughs) yeah always on deck um anyway (laughs) story yeah justin thomas yeah justin thomas won the 2022 pga championship roll tide we're into alabama news what he came back from like oh. seven strokes down or something like that, I think. So, Clock's still the same thing. <laughs> Do what? Joe, are you okay? <laughs> Joe, I don't think Clock's ever got this that many. <laughs> um, Joe, I don't know what's after on. the game. Or after the, uh, the tournament, he he shot some. He took some shots at Jimbo Fisher, right? The whole Jimbo Fisher Nick Saban thing. He he made light of the twenty four hour and then move on policy that they have at Alabama. But I'm glad for Justin Thomas. He's my been my favorite golfer since I went to the university, and it's good to have a little bit of success. I mean, I was a big Tiger Woods guy as a kid, but I mean, what do you guys think? You guys watch any of the golf? Any of the PGA master? I was I was working, but when I do have the chance, I, I don't mind watching golf. It's super relaxing, especially on like on the weekend when you're just sitting there, you don't have much to do and you turn on some golf. But I it was cool. Obviously I didn't get to see it, but um I was able afterwards to to when, once I got off work to see that Justin Thomas had won and you know Auburn likes to stay there and everything school, but Alabama kind of just, you know, bringing home the dubs and all around. Yeah. If you just ignore all the other sports this year, we brought home dubs yeah. all around. Yeah. I mean, we'll ignore, <laughs> ignore the softball, softball team. We'll talk baseball about. and basketball and gymnastics. I do, do kind of, because Clack wasn't here when we talked about the Jimbo Fisher saving thing, I did kind of want to get uh, his thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I mean, we've always known. You go back and look at Joe. Quit laughing. <laughs> you know, you go back and you look at when Jimbo Fisher was. Am I echoing or something? Or are you just like, you know, extra? No, there's a bit of a delay when you respond. So Joe is like, "Hey, what do you think, Clack?" And then we sit here and go, and then you respond. No, I delayed because I didn't know if I was supposed to go or. I mean, you know, you. Look oh, back you're and sure and if you're supposed you know, to go after? Hey, Clack, what do you think? All right, I'll hold up a I'll hold up a cue card next time. Let me go find something. And 
Go. Clack. Oh, yeah, you look no, like talk. Fisher was at Florida State. What? Talk. It's your turn. Okay. I'm trying to go, and you won't shut up. We'll okay. Um, you know, you look like when Jimbo Fisher was at Florida State. You know, there was all, always like the deal with Jameis Winston and all that. He's always um, seems to be in the middle of all the controversy, all the drama. It's the same thing here. I mean, you know, Nick Saban was not necessarily throwing them under the bus. He was just saying a simple fact. I mean, it's, everyone knows, you know, they paid, you know, for the NIL, they paid pretty much everyone they have, you know. Since when it's Jimbo Fisher and like got the number one class until the NIL, never, you know, suddenly the NIL comes he gets number one class. Didn't they have the number I mean, one yeah, class the year everybody before. knows what it was, and then Jimbo Fisher just goes and no, I think they were they were in Jimbo the lead Fisher goes and gets on his high horse and sorry they were in the lead at one point and that was like just priests. we were they were in the lead we were at like forty at one point but obviously I don't know how that turned out gotcha. but I mean like. You know, Jimbo just goes and gets on his high horse and, you know, spews all kind of garbage out there. And, I mean, he, you know, if you want to poke the bear, then go ahead. But we all know how that's going to turn out in September, October. Clark, uh, I yeah. hate to tell you this, but Bear Bryant hasn't been the head coach of Alabama for a long time. <laughs> no. Tyler, I'm the only one who gets to make horrible jokes on this show. And I thought that joke in my head. I didn't say it out loud. And you decided to do it. But um, obviously, we're all on the same page, but we're also all incredibly biased when it comes to Alabama. But I think even as just a college football fan uh, in general, unless you hate Alabama, which is probably likely for any college football fan, I think it's, you know, it makes... The fact that Greg Sankey... Greg Sankey was basically on our side, Steve Spurrier. I mean, I think everybody knows... Kirby Smart, all the best... All the Lane best coaches, Kiffin. yeah. All the all the best coaches were on our side. Like Nick Saban, what he said made well, sense. Of course Kiffin, yeah, yeah. Kiffin's, Kiffin. I still think Kiffin's posturing for the job in the future. He has to be. I would he's, be he's too pro Alabama to not Kiffin, be. Kiffin knows what happens when you piss off Saban. Yeah, yeah. Jimbo just. I mean, Jimbo's already. We saw what happened when he did that. Jimbo's always just been a. Uh, a boob. So I mean, this and then you go back and look me. at the things that he said, like defending James Winston before before he even went to court or anything. He was just vehement, venom, whatever what the word is, defending James Winston. And you know that you know that's when I lost all respect for Jimbo. Jimbo's always been like this. It's you know he's always been a, a media clown that that has. Well, a bad to be rap. fair though, like what would. What do you expect him to do in that situation? Not defend your your Heisman quarterback? Like, I feel like you have to. I mean, I'm just then... pointing out, like, he was already had a bad name in the media before. And this is James, Jimbo Fisher being a, a dumb, you know, what in the media is nothing new. This is just part of the course. You know, I'm not saying, and you, you go back and look at, there was a game, I think, the Clemson's national championship where they lost like a two-point game to Clemson, and he, you know, he comes in, goes off on the refs, gets fined and stuff like this. Is I mean, Jimbo Fisher going off on stupid rants is, is nothing new. It's just Jimbo Fisher. That kind of no. sounds like you. Stupid rants. 
No, I mean, but the, the thing about Jimbo Fisher is, I don't know if you guys saw this video. I, I retweeted it um, from Tide 100.9. Ryan, uh, Ryan Fowler, he put up the video of just, he. I think he talked, it was a, he spoke with Jimbo after Alabama won, and Jimbo waited for like an hour after we won that 2018 national championship just to congratulate Saban. And he, in the past, has been one of Saban's biggest supporters. So for him to just completely flip a switch in one day just seems so odd to me. Yeah. But I mean, we've, you know, we've all given our thoughts on it and it's kind of old news now, except for Justin Thomas bringing it back up. But um, moving on to some pain, some real pain. Alabama softball. They only played three games before they were eliminated uh, from the whole the whole shebang, 6-0, they lost to Stanford. And I will say, what did I, what did I say uh, last week, right? Their offense hasn't been great, and Stanford scares me. They're a pretty decent team in the Pac-12, which produces a lot of good softball teams. You, and I said you that, did say that. And Stanford beat us twice. And uh, we actually we took one game off of them because it went to like uh, – it was a single elimination for us, double for them, because they had already beat us. So we beat them in the first game. And then it went to winner take all, and then we lost. And Montana Fouts pitched and exited to a standing out. Yeah, I just – pitching Fouts back-to-back, obviously, if it works out for you, is a genius move. But it did not work out for them, and that's why I'm sitting here kind of questioning – why this team relied i mean not why they you relied so heavily your on, words relied you, so heavily on montana fouts because she's an amazing pitcher but at the same time if you're relying on one phenomenal player and you're just kind of burning through her gas i mean you have to yeah. have pitchers that can step up i'm just saying watch your words because some people might accuse you of being an alabama softball fake fan if you question anything so, I mean, technically I mean, I totally... speaking, I, I kind of am because I can't watch the games. Like, there's no way for me to watch the games. But from the outside I mean, looking in, that's kind of what I saw to be an issue was their over reliance on, on Fouts. And well, Kilfoyle um, was hurt and then came back and did not pitch well when she came back, if I remember correctly. So, right. So, Joe, I mean, I totally agree with everything you just said because, you know, especially when you look at the game, um, you know, he she pitched over 100 pitches uh, game one, and, you know, you're going right back out game two, 30 minutes later, you know. If if, we could, if it was a Sunday-Monday series instead of Sunday, then another game, maybe we would have been fine. But, I mean, you, you can't expect her to go 300 pitches and not give up anything. And then the, the biggest problem that I notice is, you know, through four innings, Montana was at, like, 80 pitches. Stanford's pitcher was at, like, 50. Like, like the fact that couldn't hit. We got way too many first pitch outs, not enough taking. Taking, you know, we had like two walks in that game. You cannot. There should never be a big discrepancy in pitches like eighty to fifty in four innings. You know, that's was a big issue. You know, they were they were getting contact, fouling a lot off. You know, and it just it just wore her down. You know, I can't. I mean, I agree with what you said, Joe. But at the same time, who else do you start in that situation? You have to go with your best with your other best not available. So, I mean, I think that was the only thing we could have done. My, I hate that I was right. My biggest right, concern but... for... Oh, go ahead, Clark. My biggest concern going forward is the fact that 
you know, Coach Murphy is probably one of the top five coaches in the country. The problem is we're not able to hit. And as uh, you saw today, Texas A&M is hiring Florida State's head coach to take their job. It's going to come to a point where all the best coaches are going to be in the SEC. You look at when, oh, by the way, Oklahoma's going to be in the SEC in a couple of years, probably next year, um, the way things are going. You know, Coach Murphy has got to get someone on this staff that can really coach hitting. We can't have – all of these, it's like the SEC is going to be a power conference for softball. We've got mm-hmm. to be able to do something so where we're able to hit at the levels of your Oklahomas, your Texas, Oklahoma State, stuff like that. I hate that I was right, but also last week I brought up the parallel between softball and basketball, right? Both teams were super oh, promising preseason. Like pre-season, people had them penciled in as potential champions preseason. Started off real hot won a bunch of games against really good teams, kind of tapered off towards the end of the year, and then going into the tournament, we were like, okay, this is where they turn it around, and then they just fizzled out. It always comes back to basketball on this show. I mean, it does, but it, the parallels are there, right? Like you, Yeah, they are. Super promising team, like a good head coach, penciled in preseason favorites, uh, start off hot, slow down, get washed, like rinsed in the tournament, and then get bounced like really early. And uh, – I don't know. It, give Alabama some credit. That was the first two games they lost in a regional in like 44 games. It was like since 2007, I believe, was the last time they lost a single game in a regional. So give Stanford some credit, more importantly. But very imp- impressive. It's bound to happen eventually. And they had an incredible run at it. But, you know, just can't hit. You got to be able to hit the ball. We scored, I think, a combined what, like 10 or 12 runs or something through the four games we played? Wait, Tyler, you're telling me you have to be able to hit the ball to win games? Yeah, apparently. Who knew? That's a f- that's crazy. Clack, give us your uh, your SEC baseball tournament preview. You wrote an article for our uh, sportsflashmedia.co, not .com, .co. So um, you guys can go check that out on there. It's the you know, name of it's down low. Uh, Clark, give us your your article summary. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, tournament time starts tomorrow. If you're a guy, if you're a team like Alabama, like, you know, you have to win tomorrow to even have a chance at getting a regional berth. So, um, yeah, I'm found, I'm looking forward to it. Bama plays bright and early in the morning, nine thirty Central. Um, you gonna be up for that game, Clark? I will be up early and at the game because it's in the danger suit. I know you like to to drink the night before, and I don't want you to wake up all hungover. I'll be there. Trust, I was hungover. This, we need this. We need you <laughs> dialed in, Clack. We need you dialed and so, locked um, and loaded, ready for this game. No, no trulies, no white claws tonight. I'll be there tomorrow uh, with bells on, ready to go. Um, <laughs> You know, Hopefully the bells aren't too loud. They might give you a bit of a headache after you found some white claws before bed. Yeah, at least I know cowbells, right? That's true. Um, you could be that guy. At least we're not playing that over here. Um, but yeah, I'll be there. Um, you know, we've got to win. Like you know, tomorrow's the must win. We lose tomorrow, season's over. No matter what happened, you know, great series this weekend, this past weekend. Glad to get the win, but it doesn't erase. 
the the struggles we had in SEC play in midweeks. You know, that's not that's still going to come back to haunt us unless we can really make a run in Hooper. And that's you know we're on the good the easiest side of the bracket. We don't have to face Tennessee. Thank goodness because they are by far the best team in college baseball. So yeah, we can come in and win tomorrow. Then you know we're you know we're getting there. But you know lose tomorrow, season's over. See you next year. Yeah, that wasn't wasn't a gun reference because I know the game's in dangerous Hoover with the locked and loaded comments. So, yeah, I'll make a hot take right now. Tennessee oh, is not going to win the College World Series. It never seems to be the best team. Very rarely, it's always just the team that gets hot. And so, I'll, I'll make that prediction right now. Tennessee might be the best team by far in college baseball, but they're not winning the College World Series. Okay. So, bookmark that. Um, Hey, some more Alabama stuff. Matt yeah. Jones in the best shape of his life after changing his diet. I really love stories like this, right? Like, I think they're so funny because every year there's about a hundred players that. Quack, are you mailing a letter or something? I'm tweeting. I'm tweeting our live show because. Um, what yeah, are you saying? There's about 100 players that added 10 to 15 pounds of muscle and are in the best shape of their lives. I saw one for Amari Rogers from the Packers. Um, I saw a couple other ones. It's, I just think that's funny every time. It's, it's one of those, like, you could start a drinking game and get more wasted than clack on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, if, if you took a shot every time you saw X player is in the best shape of their life. Like, I think that's one of the biggest non-stories, in my opinion. Well, like, I, I I agree with you, but I mean Mac Jones, I don't know if he can get in in worse shape. To be honest, like it's you can only go up from there. So, I I tend to be, I'm gonna believe the fact that he's in the best shape of his life because he had a a big old gut and apparently was eating too many cookies from his girlfriend. Uh, I guess his girlfriend was making him chocolate chip cookies. I saw like a TikTok or something about it. <laughs> TikTok's always true, by the way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I believe it. He's a hard worker. I mean, this is the same guy who sat behind Jalen Hurts and and Tua for you know all those years and waited patiently for his turn and busted his butt. So um, it is oversaturated with the uh, best shape of the life comments. But I think <laughs> that in this case, I do believe it. But like the thing about Mac Jones too. This is going to sound bad, but his game doesn't really rely on that much athleticism. So how much does adding, you know, getting a little bit leaner really do for him? I I disagree. I mean, he's not like Lamar Jackson running quarterback, but you want a quarterback that, you know, can be light on their feet and move around the pocket, which he did a pretty solid job of that last year. Um, So, you know, if he's losing weight and he's in the best shape of his life, Ow. what? I said, ow, sorry, I popped my foot and it hurt. <laughs> this is a shambled show, but I'm I'm for it. But no, I think even if you're not a mobile quarterback, it's important to have quick feet and mm-hmm. be able to move around the pocket and be athletic. Um, I mean, Patrick yeah. Mahomes is not like a fast guy, but I mean, he scrambles and Mac Jones has actually done okay when he's had to scramble. I think a mobile quarterback is too limiting of a term. Like I think people use it when only to describe someone that can run, has a lot of straight line speed. 
But I think mobile quarterback, I think we should start applying that to like good pocket movement too, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to cruise. I'm going to campaign for Tom Brady to be labeled as a mobile quarterback. You see the way he moves around the pocket. It's very impressive. And yeah, so, we'll, we'll call it elusiveness and or pocket awareness is basically like the actual name. Pocket for it. presence. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Brady's made his bread and butter off of, off of that. And he's not athletic and you know, the parallels that are always drawn between uh, Mac Jones and Tom Brady. So there you go. Hey, I will say as I made fun of Tom Brady the longest time. And then I went to the draft in Nashville in 2019 and I tried to run the 40 because I, the whole time I was like, I could outrun Tom Brady and I did not come close. So you, sometimes you don't think about the fact that like Tom Brady is a lot more athletic than the average man. It's just, he's compared to a bunch of freak athletes all day. Yeah, that that's, are, why, that's why they pay him the big bucks, and we're sitting here talking yeah. about sports. He ran like a four seven or a four eight forty, and like I ran like a five one or something. <laughs> so to be fair, I didn't have combine training and yeah. a bunch of years of college experience. I think but, you'd do okay, Tyler, if, if you had some. If I train, I might be able to. But anyway, yeah, that, that's another thing too is how ridiculously athletic pro sports players are that often gets underrated i think the only one that like people can be legitimately slow and still prosper in is baseball like you could just be you could be a big slow first base whoa whoa you're telling me that bartolo cologne is not athletic or like prince field big or something sexy like that? Yeah. prince fielder that man could could crank him so are y'all saying that just because you can't run that you're not athletic sorry i mean um traditional athletic like they're obviously athletic and they have incredible hand-eye coordination incredible so like reactions well there's not in the yeah, traditional sense there's conventional athleticism literally and the slowest player in major league baseball yeah he's exactly a catcher though he's strong baseball. he's strong and has incredible reaction speed and all this but I, I don't think he's traditionally athletic right if you put him in a room with like an NFL player, an NBA player, an NHL player, he'd be the least athletic. But that doesn't mean he doesn't do what his sport requires extremely well. And I think that that's true for most baseball. Like obviously there's there's some crazy athlete baseball players as well. I mean, a lot of outfielders are like that. Someone like Ronald Acuña, like being as strong and fast as he is, like <clears throat> He's insanely athletic, but I think that in baseball there's more leeway. You can play catcher, you can play first base, you can pitch. It's not as big of a deal. So it it's it's the equivalent of like being a kicker in the NFL. I'm digging myself into a big hole for all the baseball fans watching, but I'm a baseball fan and I'm watching. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like NASCAR, right? NASCAR, I don't think you'd consider a NASCAR driver like athletic, but they do what they do really well. Anyway, um, I mean, you have to have certain talents. Yeah, to be good at that. Yeah, like, like I said, with baseball, like you have to. The reaction speed is insane for fielding and hitting. Like you have to see a pitch come out of their hand, and within like a tenth of a second, you have to know if you're swinging and when and where. Like, and that's just so insanely difficult. Hitting a baseball. Maybe this is a hot take. Hitting a baseball at the pro level it might be the hardest thing to do in any sport. I well, think can you consistently hitting it? Consistent. Well, like yeah, like being like a 300 hitter. And that's just like 
so you, you put someone like me in the box, right? You put me in the batter's box. I go up to hit. I'm striking out 100 times out of 100 right now. That's without adding, like, fielders or anything like that. And so not only do you have to get used to – like, maybe if they just threw fastballs, I'd get lucky and make contact on one or two of them. But if they use, like, a full pitch repertoire, there's no chance I'm not striking out 100 times. And so not only do you have to get that down, but then once you start to be able to hit the ball in the first place, you have, what, eight guys on the field, nine guys on the field counting the pitcher that are trying to catch the ball or, like, prevent you from getting to first base. So, Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, Honestly, though, I'm going to go – I agree with both of y'all, but I think that – at the same time, baseball in a way requires more athleticism than a lot of sports because, I mean, how hard is it to hit a 100 mile an hour fastball coming at you, and all that? But like you say, it's a different type of talent than it is, yeah. you know, to be able to run a route in football and outrun, you know, people who are running just as fast as you or whatever, or throw a ball 60 yards, seven if you're Patrick Mahomes, 80 yards down the field. You know, it's a different type of talent. You know, each sport, you know, football, basketball, baseball, all has a different type of talent that it requires. I think it's like it's like like somebody like me could thrive at a sport like baseball, but I couldn't be good at basketball because I mean I'm almost a midget. Yeah, I think hardest thing in sports, right? You got hitting a baseball, you got being a a high level quarterback because you have to be able to read twenty players on the field, and then also throw like a you know an egg a big egg sixty yards down the field exactly where it needs to be over twenty people, and then I think. Being an NHL goalie, just the reaction speed and the flexibility and like the movement that you need to have to be an NHL goalie, I think is oftentimes underrated. Like, especially with how good a lot of those hockey players are. I don't know. Anyway, hockey, hockey, and we're watching oh, the Blues are playing tonight. Let's go, Blues. I gotta go grab my sweater. Hold on, I'll be right back. Moving on from, uh, our little side rant there. The I don't know if you guys saw this, but the SEC is considering to do like a. Where did he did he actually go to get it? Yes. Oh, I just it got really quiet all of a sudden, and I was like, I, I'm not paying. I'm looking. I'm reading this article, but the SEC is considering doing their own like playoff before the actual playoffs start. Um, this was reported by Pete Thamel of ESPN. Um, Clark, what do you think about that? I mean, I have I'm not read it enough on it to really have much of an opinion. Bravo, I mean. bravo to Tyler. I did not think he was actually going to do that. Yes, yeah, my sweater. Let's go blues. What are we talking about? We're talking <laughs> We're talking about the SEC saying that they're gonna do like their own playoff. Yeah, I saw that in our in our thingy. I never heard about that. Um it it kind of fell by the wayside um, with all the Nick Saban drama. Yeah, no, this is like from today. Um, oh, yeah. So, SEC I think that commissioner. Would be interesting, but I think that it would also throw a big monkey wrench in how they do the national championship. And I, I, as much as I don't love the current system, I would hate. To go back to a system where there's like four or five teams that claim the national championship, right? Like, even when UCF did it, it just irked me. Maybe it maybe it irked me a little more because Alabama won that year. But 
I don't know. I think that having an SEC only playoff would do exactly that. Unless they're planning on having an SEC playoff and then like the top SEC team just automatically going to the national championship game. But then I feel like, you know, four other power five conferences would be very upset that an SEC team would be guaranteed to go to the championship every year. Granted, it basically already is, but you know, it's not like a hundred percent guaranteed right now. Yeah, I don't I don't realistic. I don't think it um is really doable, but it's an interesting concept. Just want to say, um, I'm watching. I'm a horrible co-host. I'm watching the Yankees game on the side here, mm-hmm. and I would just like to say that Aaron Judge is really just not human. He's not human. We're gonna talk about this later. Oh. I'm sitting here watching him hit his second home run of the game. He's hit 17 this year, 17 home runs. That's ridiculous. That's insane. Uh, sorry, but I just I had to say something about that because I've I don't think I've ever seen anybody have this go on this tear that he's gone on in, in recent years. Well, and um, the crazy thing is like Stanton is also going off at the same time he is. And people always talk about baseball is like not entertaining. I don't know how you can watch the New York Yankees this year and not be absolutely entertained. Uh, I think to the average person, like a nine inning, like one to zero game is pretty boring. I, I will admit, but yeah, like no. the Yankees are special because yeah. they're going to, and you know, if you ask Clack, they have the worst pitcher in the league. So they also give up a lot of runs when Garrett Cole's pitching. So no, well, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I, I can see where people come from when they say baseball is boring at the same time. Um, I think if you have the time to, you know, watch a couple games here and there, there's teams like the Yankees, um, teams like the Dodgers that have these loaded lineups that are super fun to watch mm-hmm. uh, as long as you're not a fan of you know one of the teams playing them if you pick a couple teams like that or teams that you know like the Mets they have Max Scherzer Love just a- an entertaining team to watch there's plenty of, of entertaining teams to watch and uh, the Yankees are, are definitely one of them I guess it's not completely uh, a random because a random thing to say considering we have baseball next on our docket here Mm-hmm. And um, guess who came in at first for the MLB's Week Seven Power Rankings this week? Probably the Yankees. Yankees. They're the best. Yeah, the uh, the Yankees. They've got five to one World Series odds. Um, they had the spot last week. They sat at one, um, followed by the Dodgers or two. I don't know if you've had the chance to watch. I think the Yankees and Dodgers is kind of splitting hairs at this point. I do think the Yankees have better pitching. Mm-hmm. And all around, um, just a deeper, you know, one to nine deeper uh, lineup as far as hitting the ball. The Dodgers have had some trouble with guys like Max Muncy and uh, Bellinger's kind of heating up, you know, recently, but he's he struggled as well. And then rounding out the top five, he's got the Astros just with their same mm-hmm. core of guys, Altuve, um, you know, Uriel Alvarez, Justin Verlander, like you the just same. combine two people, unless you're or what Uriel, what's Uriel? Uri, it's Yuri Guriel and Jordan Alvarez. Uh, yeah, that's I was thinking of Jordan, Jordan Alvarez, but just basically Yuli, the same. Sorry, word. it's Yuli Guriel. Why, okay, I'm terrible Yuli at pronouncing Guriel. names. Uh, let's put that to Alex rest. Bregman. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've I hate Alex Bregman. But as much as, you know, this is basically the same lineup. Enough. This is basically the same lineup they've had um, 
Mets are at four, and then the Brewers are at five, which I think the Brewers are kind of overrated, (laughs) in my opinion. Like Clack said earlier in the show, I think it was Clack, or was it better than you? Which one of you said that they had the easiest schedule? Me. They they did, I think, have the easiest schedule and strength of schedule. Um, Oh, God. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, um, I other than that, I agree with the list. Um, maybe I've been really high on the Angels this year. Their their bullpen has been kind of kind of crappy, but other than that, and then I think the Giants, they were at seven. They fell to ten. I think the Giants are still a really great team. They just kind of had a rough couple series. Um, and the Padres are sitting there at eight, waiting to get Tatis Jr. back. Or sitting there at six, actually. They're at six. They were at eight. So they're they're in the conversation as well. And, you know, obviously they are loaded with talent and, and solid pitching. Let me read you two baseball reference stat pages. Okay. You're the stat guy. So hit me. With the I stats. am the stat guy. I love stats. I'm a huge stat nerd. First stat player guy. has in 20, this is just for 2022, has 2.2 war, right? Wins above replacement. For those that don't know, that basically means they calculated that with him in there, they've won 2.2 more games than if he was someone like an average player. Uh, 36 hits, seven home runs, batting 286, 20 runs, 22 RBIs, three stolen bases. Player two, 0.7 war, 108 at bats, 29 hits, two home runs, uh, 269 batting average, 15 runs, 14 RBIs, zero, zero stolen bases. Player two is Carlos Correa, former all-star, went to the Twins. Player one is Jeremy Pena, the Astros' new shortstop, who they called up this year, rookie, making his debut in the league. He's outperforming Carlos Correa in every single major statistical category. That's insane. They lost an all-star who's considered maybe the best free agent shortstop in the league, and this rookie that they brought up, He's 24 years old, <laughs> making his debut in the MLB. He's outplaying him in every stat. <laughs> it's so crazy to me how they just – Jeremy Pena just – I mean, obviously, it's early, right? We're only 40 games in. But still, it's just super crazy to me how much he's outplaying him. It's a whole one and a half wins above replacement above him, too. You're, you got muted, bud. I think I muted myself just to, you know, calm the crowd who probably thinks my voice is going. But I was saying um, that you're talking about. Uh... Did it again. Stop doing it. <laughs> okay. The Astros, um, you know, they called somebody up who's having success. But the, you know, this is kind of a common theme that we're seeing, which is, is pretty cool. Uh, I think previous shows I've talked about the Marlins with Jazz uh, Chisholm. Chisholm Jr. Chisholm. And then the Orioles just called up the number one prospect, Adley Rutschman, who his first at-bat, he had, I think it was a triple. And uh, he's already been hitting well for them, which is cool. And then Tyler, I'm sure, wants to talk about, uh, you know, Nolan Gorman and, and Libertor. Yeah. Gorman's been solid. Libertor, obviously – you're a rookie pitcher, so your first adding is going to be uh, a little rough, but I think there were some things to like from uh, his first outing. Yeah. Interestingly enough, his first outing, one of the closest comparisons I saw was Jack Flaherty's first start. Went the same number of innings, gave up around the same hits, and uh, basically the stats are pretty much the same. Flaherty had twice as many strikeouts, but he had 
more walks, I think. Um, but yeah, Gorman, he started two games, played in three. He has five hits through three games. He has four hits in the two games that he started. Uh, he's been really solid, man. I was worried. Granted, it's against the Pirates, right? Maybe the worst team in the league. But I think that that's a big confidence builder. And he's he slotted into second base. First game he started, I was watching very intently because I remember hearing his defense was bad. But he made a bunch of defensive plays as well. So I'm super excited for Nolan Gorman, I think, because we were waiting all year, especially with Paul DeYoung getting sent down. Like, will he get called up this year? And he did. And I think he's going to stay on the roster for a, t- a good amount of time. And I think, interestingly enough, side note, I think Tyler O'Neill gets sent down to AAA pretty soon if he doesn't turn it around. And I think another young player in Lars Newtbar slots in over there and maybe gets a chance to stick with the roster because he just came off a three-home run game in AAA and got called up today. Um, and then Libertor, he pitched four and two-thirds innings. Um, gave up four runs, I think. But to be fair, the Cardinals are a team lauded for defense and three of their starters got hurt right before the game or right during the game. And those were like Harrison Bader, um, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson. So they had Tommy Edmond playing center field, who had only played center field once. They had Corey Dickerson out there and left. Basically, the defense was in shambles, and I think he would have gave up at least two less runs if they had the starting defense in there. So I think he did solid. He was missing the zone a little bit and got behind, and it caused a few mistakes. But overall, I mean, he's a rookie, and I think he had a pretty decent outing, and I hope he can build on it. And you can't be worse than Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks has not been good as a starter. Yeah, he needs Jordan to Hicks. Back the bullpen. Hicks has been terrible, and I think, like we talked about, Libertor, you know, he showed some some promise. And the biggest thing with rookie or just young pitchers in general is the command. And you know mm-hmm. the control, and that's exactly uh, what he struggled with a little bit. You kind of uh, tend to see them typically uh, struggle with that. But like I said, we were talking about this before the show. I'm kind of excited. You know, I'm getting secondhand excitement as a non-Cardinals fan just from watching all these top prospects mm-hmm. that they have. You know, they have a very deep farm system. I think it's kind of just something they've always done well is just developing players. And you know, some of those guys aren't going to pan out, but I think we've seen um, a lot of their top guys are, are promising and it's a, a great mix of youth and experience because you got these young guys and then you have guys like Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Nolan Arenado, uh, Yadier Molina, hello, who we talked yeah. about earlier, who's a legend. I mean, this is just – I think the Cardinals are, are poised to make um, – I, I think they're poised to make a run this year, but I think the future is very bright for them. I agree. And uh, one last thing I'll say about the car. Oh, I guess a couple last things. So Matthew Libertor got sent back down AAA after his performance. And then lucky for him, not lucky for Steven Matz. The next game, Steven Matz, our next pitcher slotted in, got injured four pitches into the game. So Libertor got called back up because he got put on the 15-day IL. Um, so Libertor will get a second chance. Yvonne uh, Herrera, um, He's supposed to be the heir apparent to Yachty. He's our catcher. He's, I think, the 99th ranked prospect in the MLB Top 100. Uh, he got called up and is going to make his catching debut for the Cardinals because Yachty or Molina got put on the bereavement list, which I had to look up that word. It basically means mourning or grieving. So someone close to him unfortunately passed or something tragic happened. 
and he needed to step away for a little bit. So I hope everything's okay for Yachty. But Von Herrera is going to start. Uh, Jordan Walker, third baseman, was the 20th overall prospect. He's in double A, I believe, right now. And obviously, he's probably not going to play third base with Nolan Arenado over there. He'll probably move to first base because I think his timeline is similar to Paul Goldschmidt retiring or being older. Um, and then finally, I'm also excited for Mason Wynn. Uh, he's this shortstop prospect we have. I'm solely excited because his fielding throws were in the like 99th or 100th percentile on speed to turn double plays. He like can throw a ball from the shortstop position to first base at like 90 something miles per hour. <laughs> and it was super cool watching because it's like basically the the numbers back up that like you can turn a lot more double plays when your shortstop can throw the ball super fast like that and so he's a very interesting prospect to watch um, better than paul de young maybe i mean you know he's also in like single a or something like that right now and he's only like 19 years old true it's, um, it's hard to know and then you know sometimes you find your rarities that'll come up through the system and this year's draft and come up fast and you know, it's about finding a diamond in the rough in baseball, and sometimes it's just hard to do. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Is like most players in the league aren't first round picks because there's only so many first round picks, and there's yeah. a bunch of players. Um, it's it's the old fallacy that you hear about in the NFL draft, right? Where like seventy or eighty percent of the players in the league aren't first round picks, but you think about it, and like you you people use that as a like inspiration to players that didn't get drafted or play. I, I think the big one, sorry, the big one I was thinking about was that there's more undrafted players in the hall of fame than there are first rounders. But if you think about it logically, there's a mm-hmm. hundred thousand times more undrafted players than there are first round drafted players. So it makes sense. Kind of same with baseball. Uh, Joe nationals got some good news. <sighs> it's been a rough year. I mean, we're in the, we're in rebuilding mode and, there's obviously you've got Juan Soto. Josh Bell's been great. Um, Kiebert Ruiz, who we got from the Trey Turner match. Hey, Bear. Yeah, he's been solid. Um, Josiah Gray's been pretty solid. But Steven Strasburg is their ace. And obviously he's been banged up ever since the, the World Series run. And he was supposed to be back. He's supposed to only miss like a couple weeks of the season, but it kind of mm-hmm. spiraled out of control. There were some some issues with uh, his recovery timeline, and he's finally pitching tomorrow night in uh, Fredericksburg. Uh, both him and Joe Ross, who Joe Ross is also not a great pitcher. He's not like Steven Strasburg like caliber, but he's a a, a decent uh, third or fourth guy in your rotation. He's both of them are are doing their uh, rehab assignments, so that's big. I think they're kind of both on the same timetable as Fuller's returning. I don't expect the Nationals to to make a run at first place or get a wild card spot or anything this year, but um, if you can get Strasburg and Ross back to you know their normal selves, back to reasonable health, and then pair that with the talent that you have, I think the quote unquote rebuild that you're doing it doesn't necessarily last as long. Like this could just be mm-hmm. maybe a two, a two year, or even three year thing. And then we see the nationals back uh, to, 
to doing what they've been doing for the last decade, which is, you know, being competitive and, and always being in the conversation for, for playoffs. I mean, some of that's dependent on their farm system, which has been a bit of a letdown. They've had a lot of top prospects not really pan out. Um, but obviously seeing Strasburg and Ross uh, get on, out on the mound is going to be huge. And I don't know if there's a way to stream the game or whatnot, but I'm going to try and find a way to, to be doubted on this. And hopefully they both – I have low expectations, but um, hopefully they exceed my expectations and, and pitch well. So, Clack, as our resident Yankees fan – do you want to explain the whole Josh Donaldson situation? I I mean I think it's I haven't read it enough read into it enough to really know to say much. You know I know Tim Anderson has himself called himself the next Jackie Robinson, so I think that you know I think well, I think the comment was wrong and he did deserve a suspension. I do think that's what he was getting at. It wasn't intended to be a racist incident. It was just he was just. Um, kind of mocking him for what he said. I think that's, you know, what it boiled down to. But, you know, let's go on, but let's remember that back when the team's playing in Chicago, uh, Tim Anderson tried to start a fight. Then, you know, that benches did clear, but it wasn't, didn't really turn into anything. And then I think, I think Anderson, or I think Donaldson was just kind of still pissed about that and got a little bit out of hand. Well, yeah, for those that don't know, basically, they like Clack was saying, Josh Donaldson, third baseman for the Yankees, got in trouble for calling Tim Anderson the shortstop for the White Sox, Jackie, in reference to Jackie Robinson. And a lot of the White Sox players, Tim Anderson himself, alleged that it was something to do with racial issues, like being ra- Josh Donaldson being racist. Um, and Josh Donaldson and several of the Yankee players alleged that basically it was just him referencing what Tim Anderson said. And I kind of, I, I'm kind of inclined to be, agree. And I think that Josh Donaldson's just kind of a meathead and didn't think about how that might be perceived. And I, at least maybe that's what I would like to believe because, you know, maybe I'm trying to see the good in someone that, that was doing something really stupid. But I, I think that that's just too rent. I, I agree with Tyler. I think that Josh Donaldson's kind of a meathead. I don't think he was trying to be racist or make a racist comment i think that's too it's oddly specific for somebody to be racist like in a 2019 interview he literally refers to himself as he he's trying to be the next jackie robinson like the modern day jackie robinson i think was his exact words so donaldson saying this um taken out of context like everything else in media nowadays uh, it's gonna sound and look really bad and that's why that uh, Major League Baseball suspended him for a game, but I think it's ridiculous um, that he's even being suspended. Uh, yeah. It was interesting, not interesting, but he went on the COVID list. So yeah. it, it, it's going to be, I don't, he doesn't have COVID, but he has COVID like symptoms. So it's going to be interesting to see like whenever he does come back, like obviously he'll have to serve that suspension. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, like everything else nowadays, it was blown out of proportion, taken out of context, and I think it's absurd uh, that he's even being suspended. It's, it was a stupid, I guess a stupid move on his part, but at the same time, he's just referencing something from an interview that Anderson literally said. I think Anderson's just 
being bitter and i think there's just bad blood between the, the two teams so they're looking to, to screw each other over in any way they can yeah um we were going to talk about basketball but it's running kind of long if you guys want to just talk about that next show or we can talk about it now real quick if you want to do some but if you can just talk about it real quick the heat are getting blown out right now they've got like one point i think it's four to 25 so really? i didn't think they would win the game but i at least thought that they would you know, keep it within the seven point spread, oh, but uh, what are you going to do? Um, I mean, the, the, the Celtics came back, I think from down 26 last game and the game before was like 19. So no leads really safe yeah. in the series, but I think that Boston, this is their big bounce back game and, and they cover that, that seven points. Uh, there've been two and a half times as many minutes played right now as the heat have points. <laughs> like, there's yeah, two no. minutes left in the first quarter. The Heat have four points. That is yeah. insane. I I think this. I said I tweeted stick a fork in the Heat. They're done. Time to move on to Game Five. Like I genuinely genuinely think that that's the case with you know this team. But yeah, um, and my Golden State Warriors big win last night. They've won a away game in the last twenty six playoff series, expanding their NBA record. Fun fact, I saw LeBron James won an away game in 29 straight playoff series, but that was with, like, four different teams. Um, but, yeah, it's so for those that don't know, in, in the beautiful game of basketball, when a team has a 3-0 lead in the playoffs, they're 146 It's a kiss of death. 0. Yeah, they're 146-0 in winning the series. Granted, the Warriors were also the first team to blow a 3-1 lead in the finals. That being said, I just don't think the Mavericks have the juice. I think the Mavericks overperformed this year, and they have a lot to look forward to. Luka is an absolute monster of a player. And Brunson. if they build around him, if they build around him a little bit better, they'll be really good in a couple of years. But I think the Warriors are just a better team, and they've showed it. And they have the experience. And I think that... Warriors are going to go back to the finals, and I really want a Steph Curry finals MVP. I agree. I think it's a sweep. It's I agree. the kiss of death. Uh, before, I know we've ran long, but I did want to mention, because we didn't bring this up, that uh, Dana Duckworth stepped down last week. We brought that up. Mm -hmm. uh, we said that you know they're going to have to find a new coach pretty fast. We didn't know who it would be. So today they announced their um, new coach is going to be Ashley Priest-Johnston. She was a member of the back-to-back -back national championship squad that we had early in the uh, the 2010s. So that's a, a, a big move for them, bringing in somebody who's young, uh, recent, had some recent success with the the gymnastics program as a as being a part of it as a not a player. Uh, I don't know what they call them in gymnastics, but um, a teammate, a gymnast. team member. Yeah, gymnast. I guess is the word. Um, <laughs> so they brought her in. Uh, as far as I know, I don't obviously know too much about gymnastics. As far as I know, uh, most people are pretty excited about that hire, and she's got a pretty good um, squad. We're always in contention, so I just wanted to throw that in there to sprinkle in and end with some some Bama stuff. Yeah, but so. uh, that's all I got. We had some fun tonight. Uh, we are looking for writers for our website, sportsflashmedia.co. So if anybody is interested and knows somebody that might be interested in just uh, hop, joining our team, hopping on, doing some some articles, I mean, there's no requirements for it. That's the biggest question I get is, do I have to write a certain amount of articles? No, it's just whenever you're free. Uh, we're just looking to, to, to grow our army. So 
that's about it. I'd call it an army. I don't know what to call it. 